and gentlemen, welcome to the Off the Dome Sports Podcast, your favorite sports podcast where two sports lovers sit and give their hot takes off, off the, the dome. dome. I am Redfish. And I'm Rebo Hustle. And we will be steering this ship today. Rebo, how we doing? You know, got some new ink today. New ink, you say? Can finally breathe out of my nose. I've also got a uh, Navage. A no- Big day for Rebo it's Hustle. one of those things that shoots water on yeah, one yeah, side yeah, yeah, and yeah, shoots yeah. it out the other. Big day for Rebo Hustle. Kind of out of my nose for once. Hey, man. It's a good day for the bodily health of our boy Rebo. <laughs> nice jersey you got there. Nice jersey you got there. Oh, why, thank you. Two different versions of the same jersey. <laughs> um, but, you know, this past weekend for the OTD boys wasn't wasn't a great look from a watching sports perspective. That's for sure. Um, wasn't very happy with what turned out. And we'll start on Saturday with uh, our fighting, not fighting well enough, LSU Tigers. Hey, the offense was fighting. Defense was uh, optional, as my dad loves to say. Defense was optional. Um, it was obvious from the start that, like, we, we knew going into Saturday that it was going to be a shootout. We weren't expecting, we weren't willing to say on the record that it was going to be this crazy, but I kind of expected it to be a 50-plus point game on each side, and I knew that it would come down to who had the ball last. And... uh Shockingly, it was a defensive stop in the end zone yeah. from Ole Miss. But, I mean, we knew that both secondaries were pretty questionable. We saw some great things out of the LSU offense, um, driving the ball down the field, just not making huge plays like Ole Miss was, but just getting first down after first down after first down. Yeah, um, We lost, but our, our offensive numbers were better in yardage and uh, completions-wise. Um One of the big takeaways from the game is the rise of uh, Logan Diggs to the true running back one. Like yeah. we saw him ninety percent of the game, probably. I I honestly wanted them to lean towards uh, Caleb Jackson, the freshman, but Diggs has been too good to keep him off the field. Yeah, Diggs has been phenomenal. Um, I think Caleb Jackson has the potential to be one of the best true runners we've seen in a little bit. Um, since a guy like Leonard Fournette. Um, but Diggs, I think, is a better all-around back and also offers you that power that Caleb Jackson also brings. Um, plus, Diggs is probably more familiar with the system that we're running right now due to him coming from Notre Dame. Um, and he's he's still a, just a very, very good player. Um, as far as what I saw on Saturday, first of all, shout-out to the boys at Be In The Know. They're two-lane boys one. Um, so, thankful, you know, Dave and Patty got a win. Yeah, uh, We didn't. Some part of Louisiana sports got to win, so yeah. it's okay. Yeah, at least one team won. Uh, the boys at Be In The Know, of course, follow uh, at Be In The Know on Twitter. Follow Who Effin' Knows on Twitter, um, another podcast who's part of the part of the program over at the Know Network. Um, tons of friends over there. Really, really good work happening over there. Um, of course, follow us on Twitter, too. Uh, we tweeted out after the game, and by we, I mean me on our account, tweeted out after the game, uh, painful, period. Um, because that's how I felt after the LSU loss. Um, something I've been saying all weekend, and the first thing I'll tell anybody who asks me, hey, what happened to that game, is you should never score 49 points and lose a football game. It, it shouldn't like it shouldn't happen. Does it happen sometimes? Absolutely. Especially in like the Big 12, where defense quite literally is optional. Um, but in the SEC, especially at a school like LSU, who's known to have top 10 recruiting classes, be a good a contender for the West every single year, and we allow 55 points. 
you're not going to win a game like that. That is an unsustainable mode for winning football games. Um, so quite embarrassing. Speaking of being an SEC West team, Ole Miss also an SEC West team, also yep. nationally ranked. Um, I thought that the class, the most classless thing of the week was that the Brian Thomas touchdown that was controversial. The student section started throwing things on the field, but turns out the advocate decided that they were going to put in their headline mm-hmm. that uh, Tigers have more tradition and more big wins, a bigger stadium, and more money than the Rebels. That might be the most classless thing from the one of the biggest newspapers in our area. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect us to talk about newspapers today. Me either. But, but <laughs> yeah, no, um, you know, I feel like that's a problem in all of media right now is just always trying to compare and bring down other people. We saw it. On Monday night, too, and we'll get into the NFL, but on Monday night when Rodney Harrison tried to get Chris Jones to talk about Zach Wilson, um, he was like, yeah, we've been looking at the film. We know Zach Wilson's trash. How do you feel about him? And Chris Jones is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Take it back, bud. He's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Like, he might not be Patrick Mahomes like we have, but calling a man garbage on live television is crazy. Um, So that is a problem. I also hate that the school I'm associated with is now associated with something like that. Um, because I I would hate to be the person who put that out. Yeah. Like you don't. Like that's so stupid. You lost a football game and you're gonna go out and attack a whole university, which is also in the same division as you. Like yeah. they're not. You're not head and shoulders above anybody. No. But also, moving on back to the game. Also, I've been to Ole Miss's stadium. It's a pretty nice stadium, if I do say <laughs> so myself. So I don't know. I don't know what we're talking about. Uh, back to the game. Um, so. A let's couple? start. Let's start on the good things, okay? And then we'll get into the bad things, kind of more in depth. Um, the first good thing I want to talk about is Jaden Daniels. I know you hate that. However, he did well. have a very, very good. Other than when he got absolutely pummeled and fumbled in the red zone, um, bad decision. I'm putting it out there. I've said it many times, and I'll keep saying it. Jaden, learn how to slide. Um, I understand you want to fight for extra yards. I understand that you're putting your shoulder down and trying to, you know, help the team by getting three more yards on every play or getting a first down, but you're not going to help the team if you end up getting a couple broken ribs from getting speared uh, because you refuse to slide or getting a concussion. So that's my take on that. Um, But other than that, throwing the ball-wise, I mean, over 400 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, um, Jaden Daniels was clicking. Yeah. um, It's hard to look at that game and be like, the offense was the problem. Like, we didn't score enough. 49 points. 49 points should win you every game in SEC West. Absolutely. But, um, there, I, like, I'm known Jaden is a questionable guy. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, some would say. <laughs> but I think that Jaden played well. I, of course, I have a couple critiques because, like, you're not always 100%. And one of the biggest things I think has to do with coaching more than it has to do with Jaden. There, there was so many plays where we're all lined up, and only Jaden is looking at the sideline, and Jaden's um, only Jaden's looking at the sideline. The wide receivers aren't. Jaden's waiting on a play call, like if they're going to audible, and then walks up, tells the offensive line something. I don't know if he's looking to the sideline to give him the protection or what it is, but it's so strange because you can't really download a defense or anything like that if you're sitting there looking at the sideline the whole game. Yeah. And you got to know where pressure's coming from. You got to be able to call your mics. 
And so that that one kept getting at me the whole game. And then towards the end of the game where we looked like we were firing on all cylinders, we stopped looking at the sideline. So my question is, do you think that is a Jaden problem or do you think that is a this is the way we're calling the offense, you have to follow my direction problem? I don't know if it's they don't have enough confidence in Jaden to call the protection or that's what I'm not even sure who the OC is. But that's who the what well, that's what the OC wants Mike to do. Mike Denbrock. Yeah. Come from uh, he came from Cincinnati with Luke Fickle. Um, I'm I honestly like you picked up on that. I didn't really pick up on that, so I'm glad somebody noticed <laughs> that. Um, if if you're saying Jaden Daniels is our QB one, Brian Kelly has had his you know positives and negatives with him at certain moments. You know, calling him out after the Florida State game, saying we can't turn the ball over that much, or saying we've got to be better at quarterback stuff like that. And he's also had moments where he's smiling and like basically give him like a noogie on the sideline because he's acting like he's his kid um we've seen both the positives and negatives but through both of those if you don't trust your QB1 enough in an SEC West where before the season people were looking at you as a playoff contender that says more about the coaching staff than it does about the players I think like my my quarterback in high school was able to call a protection on his own yeah and so like yeah. it, that doesn't make much sense on that why he's looking at a sideline for a protection because it was always on a pass play and and the receivers weren't looking at the sideline, so it wasn't like they were audibling or anything like that, because they never got a sign. Yeah. So that 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 was a little weird to me. Um, of course, I had a problem with there being a little bit of pressure up the middle, but there was still a pocket contained, and Jaden just started running and instead of sitting in the Common pocket theme. and and downloading the defense. But that's that's been my problem the whole time. Um, one of my key takeaways from the game is the running into the punter call. He got tackled, in my opinion. Yeah, that was a roughing. Uh, I was very mad when it got called. Um, uh, a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, good call. He didn't do it on purpose. It doesn't matter. If yeah. you put your shoulder into a punter's rib cage, that's roughing. Yeah. Like, that, it, it is what it is. Running into is, like, touching his cleat whenever he's coming down. Right, right. It's It's you are going for the ball, and you just so happen to accidentally hit him. Like, yeah. that is definition of running into. But the ball was away, forearm to the midsection. I just, it's just a weird call. But yeah. it was a weirdly officiated game altogether. Like, the Brian Thomas touchdown was questionable. Some yep. of us thought that it wasn't a touchdown, but they got called. Right. So we had to hear it from our old Miss friends. Um, that sounded very personal. Oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> um, but one of my only takeaways from the defense is... Spates, Omar Spates or Omari? Uh, I think it's Omar. Omar Spates was our Mike linebacker coming into the year. He played next to Greg Penn. Penn. And Greg Penn was playing the will. Mm-hmm. Omar Spates missed the last two weeks. He uh, Whit Weeks came in as the will. Penn went to the Mike. And we started looking a little bit more efficient in the last two weeks. And I think that in this game... We looked abysmal on up front with Spates in, whereas with Weeks, the, the freshman, they looked cohesive. Him and Penn were on the same page at all times. Even our pass coverage was a little bit better. I mean, it wasn't outstanding, of course, but it was a little bit better. And, of course, we had great plays of just running straight to the football, being a part of every play out of Whit Weeks, as we come to expect. Yeah. Um. Speaking on your point about specifically Whit Weeks, Omar Spates, and then the idea of true freshmen playing on the LSU defense. This is something you talked about last week. 
it's something you've talked about for a little bit now is how we don't utilize freshmen like we should. Um, Brian Kelly came out after the game when uh, the defensive end, I believe he is, um, I'm, his Walmack. name's Walmack, uh, after he came out and had a really good game, and he was like, oh, he's still learning the defense. He hasn't moved into a starter yet, but he's definitely going to play a role in the team. Word for like not exactly word for word, but paraphrasing what Brian Kelly said. He played said, zero snaps against Ole Miss. We have to teach him how to keep his helmet on, is what he yeah. said. Yeah, and but play zero snaps against Ole Miss. And, and then in his interview today, that he was asked about Walmack, and he was like, "Oh yeah, he was healthy." So that makes no sense to me. After he has a big game, you say you you know he hasn't earned the starting role yet, but he will definitely play a part in our system, and then doesn't play, or he struggled to get outside rush. And then yeah, and then wet weeks. I mean. He has been great on the field. The problem is is he was not on the field in the first half against Ole Miss when they scored 28 points. Whit Weeks did not get his first snap until Ole Miss was already, after Ole Miss had already scored 28 points. And in the first three plays he was in, he was making making them. Yeah, he stopped that two-point conversion, was it? Yes. Uh, the little screen pass. Um, played really well on that. He he plays so hard. He plays so well. Um, I really, I mean... The first week, me and you were trying to figure out, you know, which week's brother was which, yeah. because one of them was playing really well, and one of them pl- was, you know, on the field. Um, it was the Grambling week. Yeah, yeah, the Grambling <laughs> week, and then we figured out that we were like, oh, Whit Weeks, that must be the junior, and we figured out he was the true freshman, yeah. um, and he's playing phenomenally. It's just he gets underutilized. Um, for me, the biggest, I mean, every level of the defense had a problem on Saturday. Couldn't get to the passer. Um, even Harold Perkins was struggling to rush the passer. Makai Wingo wasn't playing how we expect him to. Without Whit Weeks in, they score 28 points because they're throwing a lot of short and intermediate routes and the linebackers can't play sideline to sideline, especially Greg Penn. He's not he's not an athletic linebacker, um, or at least not athletic enough to keep up with what Ole Miss had going on offense. And then the secondary, I mean, I think that it goes without mentioning that they did not play up to the standards of LSU DBs. LaTerrence Welch had a fantastic first quarter. After that, not a fantastic game. Yeah. I, I saw him at the beginning of the game. I was like, oh, look, LaTerrence Welch is making plays. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, LaTerrence Welch just let that 60-yard bomb go. Yeah. And so it was it was a rough watch. I mean, it's, there's 15 guys in the secondary that they brought in this year. And so it's going to be a tough watch for a couple more games. I'm not going to not gonna sugarcoat it. Yeah. But – I think that these guys that they brought in are going to stay here at least another year, and so we'll get we'll keep getting better and better. And my least favorite part about the secondary is what Brian Kelly said about them. Um, I know tough love sometimes works, but he was like, hey, listen, these are the guys we have to work with. We can't get any better, so we're just going to have to figure it out. Um, after a loss like that, I know from a coaching perspective, it's like, hey, I'm trying to whip you into shape, understand we need you to do better, but also you have to think about, man, these guys are at their lowest point right now after – letting 55 points go in a game you probably should have won and you're going to do that. It's not helping, um, especially when the leader of the locker room, Greg Brooks, is out. Um, like, it, it for me, it wasn't the right move. Um, I was a very large proponent of the negative side of Brian Kelly's hiring, and I have gone back on that, of course, because we've won games. Um, but now I feel like it's kind of getting back to that negative point where he just he makes questionable moves and he says some stuff that I'm not 100% okay with um, which no coach ever will yeah but but 
Yeah, like there's certain sores things that just he, keep rising up. And yeah, it's just getting a little awkward. However, we should probably talk about some positives. Um, Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas, BT Cruiser, BT I think Cruiser are two true number one receivers in college football. Do I think they're going to go to the NFL and be Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase? No. Do I think they will, when it's their time, they will get drafted and play well for an NFL squad? Yes. So I'm glad we have them. Um, Brian Thomas is... I have been a fan of Brian Thomas since the first day he walked on LSU's campus, and it's finally paying off, and it makes me feel so good about myself. Happy for um, you. Yeah, I, I'm also happy for me. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm really... Like, our offense... Our offense is like you score forty nine points, you shouldn't lose a game. That's what it is. So positives, offensively, we played well. A couple protection things, a couple coaching things, like you mentioned, but defense needs to whip it into shape. Uh, let's move on to the Mizzou game real quick before we go ahead and move on to our uh, next topic. Mizzou game is going to be another shootout. Uh, if I remember the stats correctly, LSU has a top ten offense. Mizzou has a is the one hundred and seventh ranked defense. Whereas Mizzou also has a top 10 offense and LSU is the number 130th ranked defense. Uh, So two very bad defenses versus two high powered offenses. It's going to be another shootout. But is Mizzou on the same level as Ole Miss? Probably not. They have one really good receiver. I can't remember his name. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. The only Mizzou game I watched was when they beat uh, Kansas State on that last second 64 yard field goal or whatever it was. Yeah, so their kicker's got a leg if we ever can stop them. Yeah. Um, but there's only there's really only one guy on the offense that has shown through the season that he's like needs to be stopped. Um and it's gonna be a little bit of a gritty game. Like I it's it's not gonna be fireworks like the Ole Miss game was, but I don't know if it's gonna be a defensive battle. Yeah, <laughs> like let's um, be honest with ourselves. Yeah, by shootout I don't mean over a hundred points scored in total game again, but it'll be in the thirties I think by both both teams. Uh, Dut, I see your comment there. Have we ever played at Miz? I think we Did played we there lose? in twenty twenty uh, when we were on our way down from that national championship and we lost at yeah, Mizzou. I think it was at Mizzou. Um, I could like be wrong, but I feel like that game. was the game where Miles Burning got hurt. Yeah. Um, when he was supposed to be you know our starter now, he got hurt that game if I remember correctly. Um, could be very wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Um, but as far as Mizzou goes, how do you the spreads at six and a half in LSU's favor? Do you think we cover and do you think we win? It's hard to say with the defense, but it is hard to say. I I think that our offense is definitely more high high powered than Mizzou's is, and so I think I think we we could cover easily. And so, therefore, we can, we win easily. But I I think it might still be a 48-28 to 28 game yeah. or something. Um, I think it will be high scoring. I don't know if we'll win by 20, but we should cover. I'll, I'll take us, like, 35-27, somewhere up in there. Um, we should definitely score enough points to win. Yes. If we score 49 points again and don't win again, we're going to have an issue, to say the least. Um, another team that's having issues, New Orleans Saints. Uh, Got to talk about the Saints, unfortunately. Uh, took a loss this weekend, 26-9, to to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, divisional opponent, 
I saw a lot of stuff before the game saying Tampa Bay is our biggest rival. People obviously have never heard of the Atlanta Falcons um, because although, you know, Tampa Bay has been better in recent memory, I wouldn't necessarily consider it a rivalry. I don't feel like we have that hate for them that we do for the Falcons. However, we may start soon after losing 26 to 9 this early in the season. Well, the writing's on the wall. Everybody has been pointing at this guy since last year. And I think that even though Dennis Allen came out this week and already said that uh, our offensive coordinator is not going to move anywhere, but I think that Pete Carmichael. Pete Carmichael. Is should be jobless soon, and uh, yeah, or at least take a step back and be just the X's and O's guy like he was with Sean. Whereas we we just need a different play caller, somebody that yeah. has actually called plays before, and that's hard to do if you're just stepping in for the first time calling plays on an NFL level. Yeah, I mean, I saw this um, on the X, uh, as some call it. I still call it Twitter. Uh, Chris Rasvuglu, I believe, is how you pronounce his name a great Saints content creator. I've been following him for years. Uh, Posted a video of a trick play we ran within the 30-yard line on the first drive when we were driving down the field. Uh, We had Taysom Hill lined up at quarterback, Derek Carr lined up to his right at running back, and Alvin Kamara in the slot. We snap the ball to Taysom Hill, who hands it off to Derek Carr, who hands it off to Alvin Kamara. We lose five yards. Well, yeah. What is that play? Like, offensively, that makes no sense. You're taking a guy who's a threat to run the ball, hands it off to a guy who has no threat to run the ball, who then hands it off to a guy behind the line of scrimmage after they're not biting on the handoff that you just took. You're not going to win that play. We did not get better, as you would say. No. Um, Zero percent better. The offense just, like, there's always the question, is it coaching or is it player execution? With comments that players have made, such as Alvin Kamara saying, we need to have tough conversations soon. Um, the anger that you see from the players, the effort that is not there with the players, yeah, on players watch. on plays that they should be putting effort onto. I don't th- like everybody would look at the players and be like, "Oh man, they're really having an issue." That comes back to coaching. Like you look at players who are less talented or teams that are less talented than the Saints, and they're having way more success because they're buying into what the coach is doing and they can follow what's happening. The Saints players simply cannot do that because of Pete Carmichael. Um, it's if it was a player thing, if somebody like one person wasn't bought in, the rest of the team would be picking that up. And to have not scored an offensive touchdown in seven quarters, that is one hundred percent on the play caller. It's kind of unacceptable at, in the NFL these days to just be kicking field goals over and over and over. You're not going to win. You'll never win a game. And um, I thought I took it down. Oh, yeah. If you look at a team like the Colts. Okay. They went out this offseason, got Shane Steichen as their head coach. Yep. Offensive-minded guy. Yeah, did great wonders for Philly last season. Um, They're one of the funnest teams to watch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And... For us to be sitting here, pulling our hair out, begging for touchdowns, because your defense has held teams to 15, 17, 18, and 26 in the NFL. And in the NFL, that teams are scoring 31 to, to 70 points a week. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most unacceptable 
football I've ever seen. And, and to have names like Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, and Chris, Chris Olave, Derek Carr is your quarterback. He's not a chump. No. And you know what? To even further your point, in the last this Buccaneers game, did the Buccaneers score 26 points? Yes. We also had that fumble at the five-yard line. So they're going to score a touchdown that drive. The defense can't do anything about that. So, in my opinion, you take those seven points off, too. So, they allowed 15, 17, 18, and 19. You're allowing four straight games of 20 or less points. And, I mean, I know 26 is the official number, but in my opinion, you can't blame the defense for that. That is the offense's fault. Yeah, Isaac. Your defense allowed 20. Isaac Yadam. Isaac Yadam. Um, had, had, like, perfect coverage, played the ball in the air, picked it off in the on the one, got tackled into the end zone. And then Adam Prentice didn't do anything wrong, in my opinion. He had both hands on the football, may have fought for one extra yard too many, and that's when the ball got punched out with a perfect punch by, I think it was Sean Murphy Bunting, maybe? Here's here's my problem with it. Why is Adam Prentice getting the ball? Because we're on the one-yard line. I, I don't think you give it to Adam Prentice there. I think you give it to Taysom Hill. That's my opinion. Taysom Hill is a more experienced runner. Taysom Hill is, I mean, while Adam Prentice is a big guy himself, he's a fullback in the NFL. It was Anton Winfield Jr., not Sean Murphy. That makes sense. Anton Winfield Jr. is a very good player. But, I mean, this offense, man, it's it's very questionable. What's being called, who's it being called for, and how can you not score an offensive touchdown when you have Chris Olave, who last year, if he would have stayed healthy the whole season, probably would have won Rookie of the Year, had better numbers than Garrett Wilson. Looked really good with, missed two with games. Andy Dalton. Yeah. Michael Thomas, who, although he's not Michael Thomas of old, in 2019 set hundreds of records at the wide receiver position. Rashid Shaheed, who people around the league are now starting to notice as a very dynamic, electric player. One who can take punts back on the punt return team. Alvin Kamara, who is fresh now, had 13 catches in the game. He was like the only player on offense that wasn't soured by the coaching staff already. And so he's the only person playing with any juice. Yeah, and he did have 13 catches in the game, but they went for 33 yards. Yeah. I heard this stat. Would you like to hear a stat of the last time a player caught 13 catches? You want to know what they're... The, okay, I worded that weird. The old record for least amount of yards with 13 catches was 71 yards. Alvin Kamara has now gotten half of that with 34 or less. 13 catches for 33 yards, averaging... 2.5 yards per catch. Like, is that no line problem? Is that a scheme problem? Is it an Alvin Kamara problem? What are we talking about? Well, I can tell you what it's not. The only bright spot of the entire game He's gonna was say that his name. the offensive line took a step back up. We talked about last week, do they, do they continue and just sit there and weep in their sorrows and all this? But they actually played a really decent game. It's not... Offensive lines of old, where we had Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek in their primes and great interior line, but they gave Carr time. We had some uninspired routes by the wide receivers while he was getting time, but I think that all in all, we're improving off as an offensive line, and honestly, Trevor Penning was the sore spot. I knew I had to say his name. Yeah. He was the sore spot for the first two weeks, and honestly, I don't know if he gave up pressure. So, what I was going to say is I saw another... I'm a big Twitter guy, um, and I know you're not, 
But I saw on Twitter it was like week one and two. Wow, Trevor Penning is really the worst player on our offense. To week four being, man, Trevor Penning's one of the only guys who are doing their job right now. Oh, dude. And that's what been, we wanted. He's that's, been really good. That's what we asked for is Trevor Penning to have the time to improve. And he's improving. He's getting better. He's not getting penalties called on him. So it's not like he's, you know, holding guys and false starting and all this. And so he's not losing us that. He's not allowing that many pressures. The left side of the line isn't necessarily the issue. It's the injuries, first of all, because once again, glass bones, Pete got hurt. Um, so Max Garcia had to come into the game. He played decently. Like he wasn't. You can't expect him to call the bench and be great. Yeah, he's your second guy off the bench as an offensive line. It's not. You're not going to see anybody perform like that. Um, and then, you know, final point before we move on to this next game that we'll have. Um, when it comes to coaching, is it all on Pete Carmichael? No. I think, for me, I think what it is is Dennis Allen has never proven he's a good head coach. He's This is his second stop. And is he a great defensive coordinator? Absolutely. Our defense has been phenomenal since he's been here. Um, but the problem is, is I don't know if he can motivate an offense, and I don't know if he has the the resources put together as far as assistant coaches and, you know, medical staff and whatever else that we need to consistently contend in the NFL right now. Um, so for me, you look at this season, if, if somehow with this amount of talent we can't make the playoffs, I think it's time to do a hard reset in New Orleans. Yeah, this is the tough conversation that I never want to have, and I – Everyone was saying, well, Dennis Allen wasn't proved and that's a head coach when he was with the Raiders and they hated the hire that you would just hire internal and it's a defensive guy. Your defense isn't the problem. You have enough stars on defense to pretty much be coached up by anybody. Um, and there was the offense is the one that needed more juice. And we kind of just stuck there with Pete Carmichael. And so we'll at least see one of those two guys moved if it's not by the end of the season, definitely in the off season. Yeah, it has to. Like, we don't have a choice. And if we just go, if we just like, oh, no, it wasn't us. We're running it back next year. We're in trouble. We'll we'll, we'll have the number one pick. Maybe. Maybe. Because so many people are going to ask for trades if that's the case. Yeah. Um. I And at this point, I don't know if we could blame them. Um, moving on to this weekend, uh, we're going up against the Patriots on Sunday. A team that just got absolutely slaughtered by the Cowboys. Um, at least we didn't lose like that. That's what I'll say. However, the Patriots are favored in this matchup uh, by one and a half right now. So basically a 50-50, but they are taking Patriots uh, as the winners right now. Uh, what do you think What do you think the Saints have to do to win this game? I don't know. Last week was weird. Um, Mac Jones got benched because it was so many turnovers. Yeah. Um, do I think that our defense is as good as Dallas's defense? It's on par. I wouldn't say. I mean, I think Dallas. There's not a whole step above us. Or no, like that. I think Dallas is a great defense. But if we play to our full potential, we're a top three defense in the league too. And so, I, it's going to be a defensive battle. You know, the Patriots bring out the de- bring defense every week. Um, if they didn't give up the offense, the the pick six from Vanderesh. Or was it a fumble? Uh, one of the two. Yeah. 
They didn't give up the defense's touchdown. Uh, it, it's a different story. I think they had two defensive touchdowns. I believe uh, Branch made it. Rolando Bland. Bland. Because uh, I called him Delano Banton. Yes. Um, also had a pick six, if I remember correctly. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's a closer game if you look at it that way. Like, the Patriots' defense didn't give up as much as the box score says. And so I'm expecting a real close game, real defensive battle, because that's all you can expect from the Saints right now. So if I had to give a score line, let's go 18 to 15. All field goals, baby. That's better than I was going to say. Um, <laughs> one of my uh, good friends at LSU, his name is uh, Ryan. Uh, he's a big Patriots fan. He's from Boston. And um, when when we were talking in class the other day, he said the score is probably going to be 3 to 2. Um, because both teams are so darn terrible, and I was like, honestly, you might be right. Um, so Ryan's score prediction is three to two. Three to two. Uh, however, I'm going to go a little bit higher. Um, I'm going to say the final score is going to be thirteen to ten. Um, I'm going to take the Saints to win. I think we'll finally score a touchdown, um, but then we'll also have two field goals. Um, I'm just going to leave it anonymous. <laughs> You're just going eighteen fifteen is going to be the final score. I don't know who wins. Okay, cool. Um, I'm going to keep rolling with our Saints. Um, if we lose this game, that's going to be a different story, especially with who we play after the Patriots. Do you know who it is? No. The Houston Texans. Which brings us into our betting segment. Um, because <laughs> last week, as you know, we do our little four-leg parlays on the Rhythm and Blues betting. And um, why don't you go ahead and talk about yours? I'll talk about mine, and then we'll talk about our, our guest parlays. Um, let's go back. I had... I hit three out of four. The Vikings missed. I picked it's them good. to cover by three and a half. I'm not sure exactly how. I think they lost. Who? The Vikings. Oh, no, no, no. They won. By one. Wait, the Vikings didn't hit? What the Vikings, How much did the Vikings win by? The, the Vikings won by like nine, brother. I think you're lying to me. Or did Utah lose? Utah, Utah got blown out. That's the that's the problem. Okay. Uh, okay. All right, we figured it out. We figured right. it out. So Vikings covered. Yep. Three and a half. Um, the Lions covered. Yeah, One they and did. and a half. Of course they did. Why wouldn't they? Notre Dame also covered. They won by a touchdown. Happens. It was at five and a half. Shout out. And then Utah got blown out of the water. Yeah, by, uh, I want to say it was Oregon State. So was Oregon go State. Go Beavs. Um, so you hit three out of four. Not bad. My parlay. I hit two out of four. Not congrats. Yeah, well, fifty <laughs> percent. You know what they say. Um, I hit both my NFL legs. Um, I had the Houston Texans, which is you know, obviously um, why wouldn't I? Shout out CJ Stroud. Um, I had the Houston Texans plus two and a half against the Steelers. They ended up winning by twenty four points. Um, I had the Detroit Lions minus one and a half. Obviously, that covered, and then my. Uh, my negatives came in with the uh, the the college games that I picked. Um, I had Florida plus one and a half against Kentucky. They sure made that running back look like an all star. Yeah, they did. They made everybody look like all stars. They were bad. Um, you know, Lot tried to tell me. <laughs> Clown card tried to tell me, don't pick Florida. I'm revoking your card. Um, and then I did it anyway, and I still lost. And then uh, of course Nebraska. Yeah, um, we talked about that one. Yeah, I, I and I even admitted on the pod. I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. This is a bad bet, and I did it anyway, uh, just because I was caught up in the moment, and I shouldn't have been. Um, so that one looked 
That one looked pretty terrible. Uh, uh, side note, I did bet an eight-leg parlay, money line, uh, all college football, ended up hitting that. Um, so I made my money back um, plus a lot uh, off of that parlay. Mr. Lottober, uh, as baseball is starting up, obviously we want to get him on here to try to talk about baseball as soon as we can. Um, hopefully next Tuesday that will be in the cards. But he hit three out of four in his parlay as well. Uh, Detroit Lions, minus one and a half. Houston Texans, plus three. Hit that. Uh, Seahawks, plus one and a half last night against the Giants. Seahawks won that game end to end. Um, the only one he missed on was the Falcons, plus three against the Jags, um, which I could see why he took it, but the Jags ended up finding their footing uh, in London. And then uh, supposedly Mustang hit his parlay. He said he hit all four legs. I don't remember what it was. Me either. And I also don't remember um, if he's telling the truth or not. I also don't remember if Salman hit his his little... No, he took the Bengals, um, so I know he didn't. No. Um, so that definitely didn't hit. Uh, so, you know, we're going to do parlays again, obviously. Uh, so this week... And obviously, you know, when we say parlays, these are just four things we believe are going to happen. So if you want to bet them separately as separate legs... Um, go ahead and do that. We just do it as parlays because, first of all, the odds are better. And second of all, it's a little bit more fun to chase uh, chase a parlay rather than chase four separate legs. Um, so I finished two out of four. You finished three out of four. So that makes you our, our betting champion for the week. So you get the belt. Um, I'm going to leave it right, down, or right there because supposedly Mustang has it. Uh, you know, he's never on here anyway. So supposedly. Sources say. But we're not getting into a source off right now. So why don't you go ahead, give us your parlay for this weekend. Uh, NFL, college football, what are we looking at? All right, I'm going to start the NFL. I'm going to start on Sunday, then I'm going to end on Saturday. I'm gonna go Going backwards. Okay. Yeah. All right. Do what you got to do. have NFL pulled up right now. Do what you got to do, Rebo. All right. So Bengals at Cardinals. I've got Cardinals to cover plus three and a half. Three. Oh. Plus three Hello. even. So are um, you looking for a push in that matchup, or are you thinking the Cardinals might... I think the Cardinals win. Ooh. I mean, I wish you were wrong because of our boy right behind you, but they look bad. Indeed. And they're also going to be missing Higgins for the foreseeable future. Yep. Yep, broken ribs. That'll do it to you. And Joe Burrow's calf isn't 100%. So no, you can tell. And I do think that the Cardinals somehow, some way, are bought in and willing to they, fight for each they other. They put up a fight against the 49ers. And they beat Dallas the week before. They were down five points to an undefeated team who looks like the best team in the NFL. Yeah, they look good. Um, and then back to the most exciting team in football, the Indianapolis Colts, who may or may not be getting back. I don't know about the most exciting team in football. The most exciting underdog team in football. Okay, there you go. The Colts play the Titans in Tennessee. Nope. I'm trying to pull what the name of the stadium is. But it's in Indianapolis. Lucas Oil. That one. There you go. Home of the Combine. Um, Home of the Combine, indeed. Their favorites, minus one and a half. I think that they win the game outright, and so, therefore, they cover. That makes sense. Unless they win by one. Yeah, in theory. That would be a bad hit for you. It'd be terrible. Then, moving on to the college ranks, I've got Washington State at UCLA, uh, three and a half point underdogs. I think they win the game outright, if we're being honest. And then my last league, Notre Dame at Louisville. 
minus six and a half. It's my most risky leg. I think Notre Dame has played some close games, but I think Louisville hasn't played anybody relevant yet. And so I think that this might be a little, a little culture shock for them. Yeah. Um, as a guy who's always hated on Notre Dame, I really like them this year, uh, believe it or not. I think Sam Hartman's a great player. Mark Freeman's got the boys buzzing. Uh, I thought they were going to beat Ohio State. Didn't work out that way. Uh, had a hard-fought battle at Duke this past weekend. Who Duke's a really good football program now. Uh, nobody expected. Um, Riley Leonard went down with an injury. Uh, Sam Hartman made the class act of waiting on the field until Riley Leonard got out of the injury tent. Took about 10, 15 minutes post-game and just stood there and waited for him. Um, so to me, that speaks volumes to what the culture's like in that locker room, which is probably better than the culture we have with their old coach. Uh, anyway, um, I like that leg. I think, I think I'd bet your parlay. So that's Washington State plus three and a half, Notre Dame minus six and a half, the Cardinals plus three, and the Colts minus one and a half. You get your odds at plus one thousand two hundred and thirty-five. That's slightly higher odds than mine. Um, the only one I'm iffy on in yours is the Cardinals, but I, I mean, with the way they've been playing versus the way the Bengals have been playing, if you take names out of it, Cardinals have been playing better football. Um, moving on to my four-legger, uh, I'm going to start with college and then go to the NFL. Um, starting with college, I've also got Washington State plus three and a half. They are a ranked team playing an unranked team. I think it's the steal of the week. Um, and Washington State has a really, really good offense. Um, so I trust them uh, to go ahead and win that game in Los Angeles against a team whose students don't like going to home games. Um, my second one, probably my most risky bet, I've got Kentucky to cover 14 and a half against the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, I bet against them last week, and it looked very bad for me. Georgia almost lost to Auburn. They haven't convinced me they're the number one team in college football right now. Kentucky has convinced me that they're better than I gave them credit for. So I'll go ahead and mesh those two worlds, like them covering 14 and a half. They can lose by 14. I don't care. I don't care if it gets close to my bet not hitting. But I'll I'll take the I'll take that half point just for fun. I'm thinking next week we're gonna sit right here in these chairs and you're gonna say, you know what, Kentucky's gonna be the team that I don't touch for the rest of the year. Oh, absolutely. Um, because I think they're undefeated right now. Um, and they beat the poop out of the Florida Gators. But the good news is Georgia is known to play down. Georgia. They did it last week. They did it last week. They did it last year against Mizzou. Like. We'll see where it goes. Again, I am admitting this is the riskiest lake of my parlay. So if it doesn't hit, don't get mad at me. Um, moving on to the NFL, I'm going to keep rolling with the Houston Texans. Um, my C.J. Stroud take, boy, oh boy, is it making up for some lost ground in past drafts. Um, I have said some dumb stuff about some some people in other drafts, and C.J. Stroud is making me look like a genius. I said for the longest time that he is way better than Bryce Young, I even went as far as to call him Aaron Rodgers 2.0. And C.J. Stroud is one of the best rookie quarterbacks we have seen ever. Not just in recent memory. Ever. It's a lot of 300-yard games. Yeah. Um, he's had the most passing yards through four games as a rookie quarterback behind only Cam Newton, who had a fantastic rookie year. Um, he's throwing touchdowns. And I'm not going to mention another stat that he has because I know I'm going to jinx it. However, uh, you can go find yeah, that by that. looking up, um, you know, w- what he's done in the passing game. Uh, he has more 
Bryce, the certified QB guy. Yeah, you know it. You know it, Lionel. Um, that's me, certified QB guy. Uh, hmm. Anyway, um, Stroud's weapons are way better than people expected. Tank Dell's making a, his name known in the NFL. Nico Collins, your guy. You loved Nico Collins, and he's working out very well. Uh, so I'll take the Texans plus two and a half against the Atlanta Falcons, a team that just lost. Um, makes sense to me. You win by 24 points, you're going up a team that lost. Atlanta will probably win because that's my luck, but I'm taking Houston Texans to cover two and a half. Uh, and then last game I have is this Thursday night, we've got the matchup of the ages. The Chicago Bears traveling to D.C. to face the Washington Commanders. Boy, oh boy, is that going to be a slobber knocker. Um, you dare bet on that game? I dare bet on that game. Um, and I'm going to take the Commanders to cover minus five and a half. I thought that that was going to be a completely different number, and you were going to say, like, minus 20. Oh, no, no, no. It's minus five and a half. Five I'll and a half, not bad. No, I'll take the Commanders to cover that. They played the Eagles until the very last second. If they go for two and get it, they beat the Eagles. Um, but they send in an overtime. Eagles ended up winning that game, which we'll talk about the Eagles in a minute. Don't you worry. Um, but, yeah, Commanders, I have them covering five and a half against Chicago, who um, somehow went up by 21 points against the Broncos and still lost. Uh, so they're an absolute dumpster fire right now. I am so sorry to my boy Clown Car that they um, they just aren't working out for him. Zero and four on the year, and it's it's not looking up for them. So sorry about that, Clown Car. But I'm taking the Commanders minus five and a half. Houston Texans plus two and a half. Washington State plus three and a half, and Kentucky plus fourteen and a half. Um, four leg parlay. Combine all those, you get plus eleven forty eight on the odds. Uh, so ten dollars will get you one twenty four. All right. We gave our betting. We talked about the Saints. We talked about LSU. Let's talk about the Fantasy Five, where we talk about fantasy football for five or more minutes. Probably more. Probably more. Um, League of Record, the league we have uh, kept you updated on since its creation. Uh, Rhythm and Blues, that's us. Three and one, tied for first place, baby. Three and one, tied for first. It's looking good for the boys. It's looking good for the boys. Let's talk, about, uh, let's talk about one player in our team in particular. Guy who, through the first two weeks of the season, we wanted to trade, to be honest with you. We were talking about, man, do we bench him? And then we when start we decided, Jordan Addison? Yeah, we were th- thinking about starting Jordan Addison over A.J. Brown. Or as I like to call him, Yay J. Brown, after what he just did. Um, two weeks in a row, he has scored over 40 points, I believe. I know he did this past week. Last week, he had, like, nine receptions for 130 or something. So, he was probably pretty close. Is it 22? He, it was 22 last week? Yes. Oh, I thought he, <laughs> he had two way touchdowns this week with on yeah. similar stats. Yeah, I That's mean. I got 40. Two weeks in a row, he has absolutely boomed. He's been phenomenal for us. It was Keenan Allen that boomed last week. Yes, that's what it was. It was Keenan Allen last week, A.J. Brown this week. Um, so, our wide receiver core looking pretty good right now. Um, unfortunately, Keenan Allen is on bye this week. Um, so we will be making a move at wide receiver to start somebody else. Um, Can't give up too much because uh, our devoted listeners are also in that league. Very true. Um, we do have uh, another cast member on the OTD squad who is in that league. We also have our most dedicated listener, Dangerous or Dainty Dut, depending on how you look at him, um, who is in that league, uh, the commissioner of that league. So we got to be careful what we say. However... Um, yeah, three and one, looking good for rhythm and blues. Um, very proud of what we've done so far this season, and uh, things are looking up for us for sure. Uh, one guy who also finally hit on our team, Josh Jacobs. Yes, um, it, you know he's been kind of 
middling along. He hasn't been terrible. He hasn't been great. But this game, he ends up getting, I believe it was something like eight receptions for 81 yards. Um, that is exactly it. Oh, well, look at me. Um, and he had his first rushing touchdown. He had his first touchdown of the year. First touchdown of the season, 65 rushing yards, eight for 81 through the air. 58 rushing yards. 58 rushing yards. Close enough. Um, 33.9. So, so great week out of Josh Jacobs. Very happy to see that he finally had the boom we would have ex- been expecting. Um, another good sign for our team, Jameson Williams comes back. That's another target for Jared Goff. Yes. It may take away from certain targets from guys like Josh Reynolds or uh, I think Sam Laporta is not going to be affected. But Jameson Williams coming back is not great for Jameson Williams' fantasy stock, but it's great for Jared Goff' fantasy stock because he's in the six games that we've seen of him, he has had like a 50-yard touchdown every time. He So I think the thing that is great about Jameson Williams – is the defense has to pay attention to him because of his deep threat, because he is a very fast player who can get you over the top, um, which is going to open up the middle of the field and the you know that intermediate section, which I think is perfect for Amon Ra and Sam Laporta. So while it may you know get worse for owners of guys like Josh Reynolds or Khalif Raymond who have been kind of filling in um, for that Jamison Williams role. Um, I think he's going to open up a new section of the the offense that we haven't seen yet with that deep threat, um, and it'll allow for Jared Goff to get probably more completions and probably more touchdowns. Um, so I'm I'm very while I don't love Jamison Williams as a player, and I'd actually traded him away in a different fantasy league before the season started. Um, I do think he'll help out Jared Goff as far as opening up the defense and allowing for that deep threat uh, bonus touchdown. And being we don't know if Geno's hurt or not. Yeah, I mean, that's he great, got hurt, great came back in. So did he come we back in? Yeah, he ended up coming back in in the second half. So, But he didn't look, you know, phenomenal. Um, so we'll see what that happens with Geno. But I'm, I really like, I mean, I think our team's playing well. Um, the biggest thing that we talk about is don't overmanage. Don't look at one little thing and think we have to fix it immediately because there's a reason the that we're 3-1, first of all. There's a reason we're tied for first, and there's a reason we're scoring points. Um, I think something out of three of the four weeks, I think the three out of the four weeks we won, we were top three or top four in scoring of all 14 teams that are in the league. The last two weeks we were second. So, yeah, so we're scoring points. We're playing well. Um, I think the biggest, and this is going to sound so condescending, the biggest problem on our team is trying to decide which tight end to start because we've got all-star George Kittle. I've decided. And we've got Detroit Lions rookie phenomenon, Sam Laporta. We are not going to give away our secrets, but I think we're thinking on the same level right now. Um, it, it's it's a tough decision for sure, um, but the I, lineup's I'm already glad. set. By the way, I said it last night. Beautiful. Um, I'm I'm very glad with what we're doing um, as far as rhythm and blues goes. Um, fantasy wide, though, uh, we're in another league, a dynasty league together. Myself, Rebel Hustle here. We made some great trades. Um, Rice. Uh, uh, Lionel Frankenstein, Clown Car, Mustang, all in it with uh, our friends from high school. So it's a good little, it's a good little deal for sure. Um, in that league, there have been trades going on. Have I made four trades in the past week? Yes. Have they all been good? No. Um, 
I, three of them have been good. One of them wasn't, and you can you can go ahead and talk about that one if you'd like. Thanks for Derrick Henry, my guy. Yeah, Derrick Henry um, and Isaiah Pacheco both given. And Chris Olave, but he had a her- horrible years. week. Um, and, you know, that's not even the worst trade that I made. I ended up trading away Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua, who, who combined for like 80 points this week. So, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm not great um, at this whole fantasy football thing sometimes, but I am 3-1 and one in that league too. So, how much can I really complain? Um, I would have beaten like six other teams. It, it you know, it it's superficial, I guess. Um, but fantasy football is one of the things we really enjoy. Um, for for me personally, I don't know about you. It's not even about the money. It's just fun to kind of play GM, um, as that was my dream job for a really long time. Still is, but um, fantasy football is fun. We enjoy playing it. And um, speaking about fantasy football, we do have a new creator also joining the know, a guy we know personally, or at least I know personally. Um, because I worked with him, and he is somewhat related to me. Um, that's Chris Nalls, uh, Gumbo Sports on Twitter. Um, he is joining the No Network to talk about betting and fantasy. So if you enjoy this last half of OTD, uh, you'll really enjoy the content he puts out. Um, so go ahead and follow him on Twitter as well. Anything else you want to talk about before we uh, go ahead and swim on out of here like the redfish that I am? Oh, we're swimming. We are swimming. We are swimming to wins in fantasy football, One and hopefully break. we're swimming to some wins this weekend with our favorite teams, uh, with LSU and New Orleans. This has been fun. Huh? In theory. In theory, that is what we're doing. Uh, not Austin Theory, though, because he sucks. Uh, anyway, we, we should talk about wrestling one time. One time for the one time? One time for the one time. Maybe not tonight, but a different time. Uh, last thing before we go. Two questions I want to propose to you. We didn't talk about this at all. At all. That's why this is called Off the Dome. Uh, first question. If we get rid of Dennis Allen as the head coach of the Saints, who do you want to be the hire? Well, that's going to take a week. Second question. You can answer the second question first, and, or, and I'll answer both, so you get as much time as you can um, to go ahead and answer those. Second question. Who's winning the World Series? Because that the playoffs did start today. We have to talk about it. I... Don't necessarily have a matchup, but let's let's ride the hot young guys. Let's go with the Orioles. Yeah, that's what I said last week, and that's what I'm saying again this week. Let's go with Baltimore. And um, then if we fire Dennis Allen, I have no earthly idea, but it better be an offensive-minded guy. It better be, and that's why I'm going with Ben Johnson from the Detroit Lions. We already have an established connection with Dan Campbell. I don't think he left here on bad terms. He would never want Ben Johnson to leave, but Ben Johnson would never say no to a head coaching job. Detroit Lions have been one of the best offenses in football through two years. Um, and you bring a culture like that over here and kind of create the same thing, I think we'll get buy-in. If they were fired today and we got to pick any person in the league that is not a head coach to become our head coach, that's who I would pick. Can't argue that. All right. Eric Bieniemy also a name being thrown around because um, he is from New Orleans, and you know he's now with the Commanders who put up 31 points on that Philly defense. So uh, definitely some stuff to look forward to. We'll always keep you updated. Uh, on Twitter, go ahead and follow us off the underscore dome pod. That is the best place to follow us. Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Um, we post on there as often as we can. That's where we put all the links uh, to our YouTube as well as Spotify. If you didn't know, we are all, we are now on Spotify. We got that figured out. Been wanting to do that for a while. Um, so if you can't watch us live or you know don't love looking at our beautiful faces all the time, you can go back and listen to us on Spotify. Off the Dome Sports Podcast. Uh, same logo that you see on all of our social media. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Um, 
So just look for that logo and you'll see this episode posted usually about 30 minutes to an hour after the episode ends. Um, so it's pre- pretty quick access and a really good way to listen to us. Um, uh, good episode out of the boys. Um, usually it's not just us two on here, but it, it probably will be, um, you know, fairly often um, until Mustang can get his way back onto being on a set schedule. Um, and we'll see, you know, when can Clown Car come on here. We need to get Lionel in here at some time because bro knows ball. Um, so I have had some fun. Hopefully the Saints and LSU can take some wins for us this weekend. I am Redfish. I'm Rebo Hustle. And we will see you next time.